Welcome back to Letting It All Hang Out, the show where we bring together some incredible people that make me want to get out, live life to the fullest, and hopefully inspire you to do the same. Today, I am joined by Joy Osaka-Lu. She is a mindset reset coach, author of two books, The Dharma of Business and Lead, Amazing Woman. She's also a public speaker and corporate veteran. She helps people weave a truer story about their business and lives. So the way that they show up and show out elevates their world and the people around them. She blends the reality of 34 years in corporate marketing, tech writing, and operations with the language and magic of what's underneath the line of logic. This conversation gets real deep and real, real good. So let's get into it. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) Oh my God, you're so funny. What's going on? Not much. What's going on with you? Are you listening to music or are you just pumped? I'm just pumped. I usually, there's like, um, when you're waiting for something, maybe it's at a restaurant, you're like at the store or on Zoom and you're waiting for somebody to connect. I don't know. I guess never really thought about like, you know, elevator music, like waiting music or you're just on hold. That's, that's sort of what goes on in my mind. So I'm just like, hanging out in my own little waiting room until something pops in. That's darling. I love that. I love that. (laughs) So how have you been? What's going on? Not much. Um, Everything's going good. And, um, you know, it's really funny when um, I, I consider myself like this quantum leaper. So like every day, every week is like, pretty different than how last week was or the moment before so sometimes mentally I need to take stock of that and um, it it was really funny last last night I was looking at my website and I was like what the fuck am I what was I thinking like none of this makes sense to me so um, you know it was just a good indication that just within a few months um, it was time. It was time to refresh my website. And for me, it's, it's always a good idea to touch bases, not with myself, but with what I'm putting out there outwardly facing uh, and to make sure that it's current and it's aligned. So uh, it, it's been a week of uh, retrospection and really great, really growing through these conversations that I have daily with the geniuses within my network. So it's been a good week. How about you? What all have you been up to? Yeah, I'm so happy to hear that for you. I have been up to, what have I even been up to? There's always, like you said, there's so many things going on and things that life is moving so fast around us. It's, it, but it it's, feels like it's at a comfortable pace. But when you look back, you're like, whoa, that was just a week ago or two weeks ago or two months ago. Yeah. And it blows my mind. But life has been really good. Um, we, Val and I have been really excited. We found like a trail in the back part of our apartment complex. Yeah. And it seems like it's a hidden gem. Nobody nice. goes back there. We haven't seen a single soul. It's really pretty. Um, there's birds everywhere. Yeah. And so we've just been exploring that area and that's been fun. And I, for some reason that keeps sticking out to me um, as a, as a highlight of my life is just enjoying the simplicity of it being so close. Like you just walk outside and it's two minutes from your doorstep. So that's, what's been new. 
I think that's that's awesome. And it really nods to, you know, we think of these things that give us pleasure, um, simple things. We often discount that, like, oh, I don't know, not that much happened. And yet uh, it's these small things that we have easy access to that that make our life so rich. And that's the stuff that really matters. It's it's something, it's a different kind of mindset to have to really elevate these small things that keep us human. Yeah. <laughs> like these conversations, you know, being <laughs> able to speak with you today, it, it's, it's, um, it's important. Mm -hmm. It's so important. And the biggest thing that I've noticed over the past several months, and let's just go with a year and some months, um, is incorporating daily gratitude helps so much amplify just the daily small things that you were talking about that highlight overall peace and happiness and joy in our everyday lives. And it's a simple practice of, you know, doing it for me, it's a simple practice of writing it down, doing it in the morning and I get joy from it. And I don't go all out and write like for like an hour about the things that I'm grateful for, but I do it for, you know, I write down five things. Um, and to, to your point and to my point of, of after doing that and going throughout your day, it's like um, a reticular activating system, essentially working and yeah. saying, hey, look at this, look at this, look at all of the other really cool things that happen in your life. Yeah, it's, you know, it's a portal. <laughs> it's, it's, a it's, portal a, yeah. it's a portal and, you know, people talk a lot about gratitude and for for folks who aren't familiar with it, 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 it can be like a daunting thought of like, I don't really have anything to be grateful for. I feel like shit. And, you know, having that lens kind of murky can, can make people feel less than or, you know, there's something wrong with me if, if I'm not grateful. Um, and, and so like your practice of kind of making a list or taking notice of something of the little things is more than enough. And, you know, in my work with my clients, I, I always use what's in front of them for like these really deep um, epiphany opening insights that really shift how they, how they see the world. And this, this practice of gratitude or this state of being in, in gratitude is actually the way that we're we're designed to be but sometimes we need those reminders and um the reminder to take off those blinders when this this practice of gratitude for me really embedded into into my life after taking care of my brother who was in a coma for five years and you know i, I think i think too much but but as i was <laughs> when i would go and visit with him i i would think god i, I wonder what he does if it's really uncomfortable, if he has an itch and, and he can't scratch it, you know? So I, I would ask him, I'd go and of course he's like comatose, but I'd be like, David, you know, do you need anything? Do you want me to rub your hands? You know, what is it that you need? And of course he, he didn't respond, but it, it made me very grateful for the fact that um, I, whenever I had a, an itch, I could scratch it without even thinking about it. Or the fact every day when I wake up, 
it's a mini celebration because I think of, of David and the fact that he couldn't do that. And this portal of gratitude that opens up, as you mentioned, it, it opens up so many other things. And I remember even when I was in corporate, generally, not all the time, but generally I, I was pretty happy. I laughing and joking around and I had a, a dear friend of mine, a colleague who said, you know, I really, people like you kind of bug me because, <laughs> because <laughs> no matter like, what, you're like always really happy. And I'm like, I have good reason to be. And, and so do you. And when I explained, you know, shared this story about my brother, he was like, oh shit, you, you know, that's, that's right. Like we really do have a lot to be happy for, but for me, it's a very resonant experience and for him he didn't have you know luckily for my friend he didn't have a brother that he had to take care of so of course his lens is going to be different and so going back to this point of a practice of gratitude it it's really an opportunity to customize it for yourself you know you don't have to do a meditation you don't have to sit in lotus pose you don't have to journal if you don't want to you know you could have have a drink of coffee and be like incredibly grateful for the cup and the, the coffee and the farmers who grew the coffee beans you know all of that mm -hmm. and um it, it's just it's easy if if you just allow yourself to be grateful in your own way mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah it's a lot of vulnerability i think too and and that scares people and they're like and because depending on their situation if they're in a position where like well what am i supposed to be grateful for and and yes i'm i'm happy that i'm alive and breathing and living another day and yes every day can be a celebration but it's like well I've got this going on and this going on and this going on and then it's just shitty and I feel stressed and all this stuff. <laughs> and it's like, whoa, I know, I know. It, it, there are times in our life when that happens um, and it's really hard in those moments to find things to be grateful for. You're like, I want to be mad right now. Like I want yeah. to sit in my suffering for a little bit. <laughs> and, yeah. and then once, once we get over that sort of, okay, I'm done sitting in my own sulking, then is the little peak of sunshine where you could say okay here's some gratitude shining in and and what else can we fill our thoughts with that will change our perspective and you talking about lenses how everybody's lens is different is so key because I mean everybody's one situation is different the way that we think about gratitude is different um, when you were talking about how you relate it with something specific that they have gone through that's usually the game changer because we can't really understand something fully if we haven't experienced it ourselves or can imagine experiencing it because of the situation or example that was given to us is so closely in alignment with what we've already experienced if if that makes sense yeah. so i think that teaching somebody how to be more aware more grateful all of the above is is something where you you got to get into their head a bit and understand yeah. them and be very empathetic and compassionate and saying, okay, well, where are you starting? Like what, where, where can we start to dive into and peel back some layers and see where this resistance is coming from first and then, uh, you know, massage out the tension from there. 
We're taking a hot break to thank the sponsor of this episode, Naked Warrior Recovery. A big reason why I love and respect Naked Warrior Recovery is that they know that the only way to perform at our highest potential is to allow our bodies and minds the opportunity to recover, which y'all know by now I am all about. Naked Warrior Recovery is a Navy SEAL owned and operated CBD and recovery supplement company. William Bronham, the owner and CEO of Naked Warrior Recovery, started this company with a very clear initiative in mind. Support the mental and physical recovery of veterans, first responders, athletes, and everyday humans that want to live more life with less resistance. So check out Naked Warrior Recovery, get yourself a 20% discount on some high quality CBD products, super greens, and more by using the discount code Kalani20, that's K-A-L-A-N-I-20. On their website, you can go there at nw-recovery.com. Again, that's discount code Kalani20, K-A-L-A-N-I-20 at nakedwarriorrecovery.com, nw-recovery.com. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's, so you said it so beautifully. And that's, that's the one thing about your work that I, I get a really resonant understanding of and that is it's really based on that person and what's in their head and and that's very true of you know with my work you know mindset it's it's that person's <laughs> mindset and what's in their head and it's an interesting process i i know that you work a lot with people tapping into and trusting their creativity um and their creativity and your work may be expressed through social media or branding or content, um, but it's really being able to trust your own creativity and your overall life as well, because when you do one thing a certain way and it feels really good, then it tends to kind of spread out and expand into all areas of life. And, you know, in my work, it's, it's so interesting that it, in speaking with people, they usually will have an issue or there's some friction with something that's happening immediately, which is, which is perfect because automatically it's meaningful to them and there's motivation to, to take a look at it. And they think that they just want to get rid of it, like move past it, but I, I'm not sure how to do it. And it's, it's so interesting to look at people and see this I call it like the sociology that we carry inside of us, which is everything from the stories around our gender, our age, or our ability to make money, and the uneasiness of really being seen and trusting who, who we really are. And it's this notion of authenticity and vulnerability and all of that tend to be a very uncomfortable dance when somebody doesn't really know their true identity or who they really are. And so like in my work, I, I get really focused on unpeeling who, who somebody is outside of all of these external sociological definitions. And I find a great deal of alignment with your work because creativity, um, our presence on how we're seen in, in a digital space is, um, it's a journey. And, and that can be really scary for people 
but because of your nature, because of this mastery, this finesse that you have in guiding people to tap into that, you know, creativity is also like very formless and it's not something necessarily that you can learn in art school or design school. It's, it's very unique. It's a, a fingerprint of, um, of somebody. And I, I just love everything that you do. It's, it's so aligned with who you are as a person here, you know, on camera and then off camera when we're chatting, it, there's a cohesion to that. And the, to me, that is the, the greatest definition of authenticity that has baked into it this um, ability to be vulnerable without being wounded. I think that's what mm. a lot of people get confused about is vulnerability means I have to show my wounds and I have to show the skid marks on my underwear that I don't want to show anyone. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> and and it, it's not that. It's when you're vulnerable, you're, you're strong enough to show who you really are. And um, that has a really deep primal tone to it that is very alluring. And all of us, all humans have this innate ability to recognize that and to lean in closer when somebody shows themselves in that way. And so I think that's why authenticity and vulnerability and all this other kind of stuff have become buzzwords. Mm. <laughs> but it's, it's really just learning to, to be human and unwinding all the stories and, and the friction around, around who we are and have been layered on top of it that make that so challenging. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Ah, so true. The, the vulnerability aspect of it and, and embedding that with leadership, because where, where you come from, the corporate world, first of all, it's very male dominated. Second of all, if uh, there are women in positions of power or executive leadership and managers and, and, and roles of power, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it's, it's seen or can be seen as a weakness. If you're vulnerable, you can get taken advantage of. And so you have to put up this front or this wall or this shield. But every single incredible leader that I have come across, whether it's a boss, a manager, a co-manager, any person that's actually changed my life, they've all been the most vulnerable people in the room. And how do you start to teach people like that's your being vulnerable in a, uh, I don't know how you would explain it. I'm sure you're going to do a great job of explaining it, but it, it, it's got like this, this little negative connotation to it when in reality it's very powerful. Um, and it's, it's this feminine energy that we should tap into because of that power. Yeah. It, it's really interesting because people automatically when they think about authenticity and vulnerability, they, they think, especially in the corporate world, that it's something that can be institutionalized through a process. And I've seen, you know, being in corporate, I would hear that buzzword of leaders speaking of, we're really making an effort to be authentic. And everyone <laughs> would just look <laughs> at them because we, we heard, the, heard the words, we comprehended what was being said but the fact that it was still with this mask on of I'm an authentic leader um, allowed us to not trust 
trust that because there was a misalignment. There was a disconnect between the words and who that person really was. Mm. And a lot of leader, you know, corporate, man, it, it's tough. It's, it's a tough game. And it, but it is just a game. And the, the leaders with whom I've had the pleasure of working with, when they tap into who they really are, there's, there's no room for somebody's judgment to kind of enter in and like play, start a bunch of mind fuck in their head about, <laughs> oh, that wasn't right. Or now I'm not seen as legitimate. Um, but I'm like, I'm like you, the leaders I've worked with have been, have been real. Um, usually in a one-on-one -on -one situation where um, they'll say, you know, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. And, and yet, <laughs> and, unpeeling and unpacking that particular statement, it's really around placing way too much judgment on what other people are thinking. And that is like this molasses that slows everything down because you're gaming. If I say this and this is how people are gonna react. And, and instead, when you just stop worrying about that and show up within a business context and you blend that, that truth, your truth, your true values, your, your core values, the thing that really lights you up and, and makes you know, without a doubt, why you're here on earth, all of that blends in with the business acumen and the professional <laughs> degrees and all the years of experience. It, it blends into something very, very different. And what happens is, you know, authentic leaders don't turn into unicorns. They're not running around <laughs> sprinkling fairy, de fairy dust around. I mean, they're, they're doing really hard things, really big things, but the amount of energy it takes to get people to buy in to, even if people don't agree, they can still buy in because they understand what this person is saying, what, what this project or this business plan is about. And they all, it has this ability to pivot everyone so that there's no infighting. You're not having to be a gladiator to like beat people down at every step. It's like, I really like you. That's what it comes down to. Mm -hmm. I, I really like you. I trust you. Whatever you say, I'm, I'm going to do it because I, I trust you. I, I know that your judgment is right. And I also know if I don't agree, I feel safe enough to be just as authentic and tell you why. And authentic leaders are very rarely those that wear cement shoes. Like the, mm. they're, they're grounded and they know where we're going. But if, they're a, if a pivot is needed, they're equally open to that. And they're equally comfortable in saying, you know, this is, this is a tough problem. And I, on, honestly, professionally and personally, I, I don't know how to get through it. Mm -hmm. So I'm really, I'm really going to listen. I'm really relying on you guys to help me get a perspective. And when people hear that and they, they know without a doubt that they've earned a place at the table, so to speak, really beautiful things start to happen. And the, the direction and the vision that this leader has, even though they don't really know all of the steps to get there are, are created in this colloquial, you know, uh, collaborative type of environment. And it's, it's possible when somebody puts their ego aside and 
they let go of this false definition that a leader has to do it all and has to know it all. Um, you know, there's the release of the insecurity of having to prove yourself as a leader. You just know that you are and you shut up and you show up like that. Um, but, but it's hard. Corporate is hard because there's a culture, there's a dharma of the business, you know, the soul of the business that often is created in this energy of lack and competition and scarcity. Mm. And so it, it takes somebody of strong fortitude, um, somebody who's built the capacity to hold that type of inner power to, to change that, to change their mindset. And, you know, that automatically, they begin to see really quickly how that mindset shift trickles down and starts to feed and like free the people within, within their company to start behaving a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think unsurprisingly, uh, everything, all good leadership, all of this vulnerability, all of this confidence in the decisions we make, the things that the people we interact with, all of it comes from truly knowing yourself and being yeah. really, really confident in who you are. And when we think about that, you know, the word identity comes to mind, but I think so often we attach our identity to other things, external things. Yeah. We attach it to our job or we put other labels on it. And then because of that, our identity is attached to other things. We don't like, what is our self identity? Have we, have we dug into it enough? Um, and it's just, I feel like I'm lucky because I've done a lot of experimenting. I've just always been a kid that's very intuitive. I feel like in, intuition and looking internally has always been a strength of mine. And so I've been lucky enough to do the research and do the work and, and, and feel very confident in who I am and what my identity is and, and, and my purpose in this world. But I would say a majority of people have no fucking clue. They're just like, <laughs> we're walking around like, yo, what are we all doing? And it's freaky. And how, how do we even begin to, I mean, I know it comes down to awareness and asking ourselves questions and all of the stuff that we always hear, but it's a scary thing to be like, well, what if I'm the only one that doesn't know what they're going to do? Yeah, but it's like no, it's you're. I I know it feels like that, um, yeah. but but with, with some work and practice, it's it's totally possible. And I'd love to hear what you have to say about that. Yeah, the it, it I echo everything that you that you said. And like, um, whether somebody comes to me and they they want to update or up level their brand or their professional reputation, or they need help with, um, you know, content creation. The, it seems really weird, but the first step is always identifying, getting to who, who that person really is. And one of the, the first questions I ask is very similar to the one that you just outlined. And there's a whole litany, a whole list of things that I run through, like, who are you outside of your spiritual or religious practices or even your ethnicity or, and world citizenship or if I were to take money away from you and your gender and all of this stuff. If I take all of that away, who are you? And it's one of the most tender things to witness somebody, especially somebody who's a successful leader in corporate or an entrepreneur who's already got traction, where they sit there and admitting 
which is the first thing, first thing or becoming very aware of like, I, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know what, who I am. <laughs> and then it's a very easy process. You know, like I said, I use things that are in front of us because I feel that our identity, our soul, our core values, our core genius, that part of ourselves is always speaking with us through everyday events. So, you know, I'll pick up an item and I'm like, tell me a story about this thing. And they're like, what does this have to do with my purpose or identity? I'm like, trust me. And, and so they'll tell a story about whatever I'm holding in my hand, if it's a pen, a paper clip, you know, a coffee cup. And within that, there are certain words, you know, because I, I use a lot of NLP and, you know, subconscious and spiritual uh, tools. Some of those words will start to peek out and they'll say them over and over again and they, they won't realize it. And then I'll stop them. I'm like, what does this word mean to you? Like when this particular value is violated in your life, does that bother you? And what they begin to see is like this Thing, this value or this word that you pointed out to me is really like defines everything that I've done in my life, either to achieve it or to overcome it. Or, you know, the experiences that I remember most vividly are the intrusions into or over this particular value. And then things unravel very, very quickly down to the root of whatever their problem is. And um, to, to your point of people feeling like they're alone, um, I, I would have to say that isolation, not like in the pandemic where we're, you know, right. staying, but this sense of mental isolation and emotional isolation that we feel, particularly in the corporate environment, it's probably the biggest toxin that we experience as human beings. Um, it, makes us feel like there's something wrong with us if we're not really following the external trends that we see going around us. And so in, in corporate, I had this habit of saying things maybe inappropriately. You know, I'm, I'm known <laughs> for being very unfiltered in my language. <laughs> but I would say something um, and then everyone, not everyone, but I would say 80% of the people in the room would either echo it verbally or like, uh, via instant message would be pinging me. Thank God you said that. Like, I was just thinking the same thing. And it's this fear of speaking up and being afraid in our isolation of being called out and being um, viewed as quote unquote wrong really stems from not knowing who you really are, not trusting yourself, not having confidence in yourself. And regardless if people agree or don't agree with you, it doesn't matter because you are who you are and you're not beholden or, or subject or vulnerable to other people's judgment for your value. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah, the idea of speaking up is really scary. Um, it was scarier to me a little while ago, but still is, right? Like, depending on the situation, yeah, we don't want to feel wrong. We don't want to feel stupid. We don't want to feel judged. And I think a, a big part of that for you and me, and um, we'll just go with women in general in the corporate workspace of like, yeah, we don't want to speak up either because maybe we have in the past and we've gotten for lack of a better word, scolded or our idea maybe sweeped out from under us and mansplained in some other way or 
a plethora of things that typically happen in workplaces where it's male dominated and we've been conditioned that maybe as women or, or speaking up or saying, hey, I have a different idea that's not on trend is the wrong idea or you know, it's not going to go far or, oh, you got that idea from somebody else who's of a higher authority. Like it's not your own idea. And so all of these, these stupid things that, that have become ingrained in our brain and we let subconsciously filter our decisions um, or our lens is the way that you put it how do we start to unlearn some of that stuff? And, and I think you'll probably touch on this. It comes back to awareness, but un, unlearning seems like unlearning and then practicing the right thing to do seems like a really big challenge. You're like, uh, okay, how do I take this on? Like, what is the first step? This episode is sponsored by 8 to 8 Collective. 8 to 8 Collective is a creative agency that's been founded by artists for artists. We aim to amplify the voice of creators by providing resources that make it easier for them to do what they do best, create. We partner with companies and organizations such as Dope Productions, Purple Publishing, CMHX, Solidude, and more, baby. As our goal is to connect like-minded, heart-centered creatives, not only with one another, but with the masses, both online and off, in hopes to help creatives just like yourself, maybe, make their passion a career too. So to see what's up or join the collective, head to 828collective.com. That's 828, like the number, collective.com. Back to the show. Yeah, it, it's it's super scary to be an outlier. And um, for leaders in particular, it, it's often tied to the ego of like, oh, I wonder how people are going to perceive this. Um, and when you're not fully convinced of how you're leading or what you're saying, then people are going to doubt you. <laughs> and that's why a lot of people are seen as weak leaders, whether they're male or female, because they kind of turtle in and, and go with the flow, which is um, an insult to the privilege of, of being a leader. And you sometimes have to make those hard decisions and to speak out. But as it relates to not um, breaking out of the roles and these expectations, for me personally and for the leaders that I admired most, which very few of them had the capability of doing this, but it it's this absolute dissolution or um, lack of self-preservation that's in their in their psyche so you know when you are so convinced that your job is to guide people or to provide a structure and then to trust them to execute on it you cannot think about, but what does that mean for me? Like, is that going to screw up how the board views me? You know, running a business is, is like a, a living organism and you have to allow people to, to do their own thing. And the, when people become too wrapped up in their self-preservation, it's like shooting yourself in the foot. And I'm not, um, suggesting that people become reckless and like, you know, fuck it all. We're going to do something. <laughs> um, I, I'm not talking about that, but I'm really talking about the energy underneath of 
are you really embodying this this privilege of being a leader that in it when you view it in its purest form and in its essence is really that of service and when people hear the word service and they're subconsciously they think oh it means servitude that means that like you're a servant and it, it it's not that when you are in full service you're really proud of who you are you know who you are and you know that your words and your guidance are highly valuable and when you offer it you're offering it to people to elevate them as well so that everyone remains eye level like nobody's less than you're not higher than none of that and um you know within it in the back of one's mind you have to be really honest and 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 say well i'm going to go for it i'm not thinking about myself and i'm prepared to take responsibility for what happens next and that means that could potentially mean yeah you know i lose my job or i'm demoted or i'm ostracized but i i know that i am going to sleep good tonight and so the question of integrity comes into play and also with that you know this thing of i don't want to i have to preserve myself a little bit nods to this um to the power of money mm-hmm. money has such has been distorted into this mechanism to control people to do stuff um, money has been contorted into this authority figure of I'm not permitted to do that because if if I do something then I'm going to lose my job and then I'm going to end up homeless and you know people are programmed to go down this this rabbit hole that most likely is not going to happen so for a leader to like really sit with themselves unwind that story of like what's really keeping me small what's really distorting my lens of my truth um and to be really honest like let's talk about money then and um we're going to unwind what that essence of money is currently telling you um because i can assure you that money is very very different than what you're probably thinking it is mm-hmm. oh there's so much to unpack here that i'm so excited about <laughs> you down much joy <laughs> No, I love it. It's like everything you say, I'm like, question, question, question. Um, the the whole idea of selfless leadership, and like you said, it's a privilege. You get to lead other people and help them make decisions and, and be the guide for them or for a project, or for a company. And that's a big task. And it requires, yeah, you not to be thinking solely of yourself. Um, you're, you're the last person to eat, so to speak. And yeah that's so important. And, and what you just touched on, oh my God, it's literally leaving my brain. What, what was like the last sentence that you just said? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> so, you know, often when I'm talking, it's not me talking, I'm really just sourcing right. the words, you know? So like, mm-hmm. I, I'm not, I don't think I could speak as truthfully if i was wondering again wondering how you were going to take it or if i like yeah. not to remember it but um, yeah. Yeah, I don't oh my gosh it, here it is it just came to me <laughs> that's how it works right too you're just like i don't know where it went and then something else triggers it okay it was talking about money because it's a huge part of being uh, having a seat at the table where where your knowledge is power and you're being able to guide people um and hopefully 
your level of income to impact is somewhere even. You're, it's nicely balanced. But leadership is a skill that we have to learn. You know, yes, there are some people who are naturally born with better leadership skills, but nobody's born an actual leader. Um, there's there's other skills in there that can be learned and cultivated and grown. And I think the same thing goes with money too, for sure. Really everything in life, but money's one of those big ones where yeah. you're like, oh man, yeah. yeah. It, it takes a lot of work, reflection. If your relationship with it wasn't great or was non-existent or, you know, maybe maybe you never really had control of money until you left the house and had to get your first job out of high school or something. So it's different for different people um, as everybody's story is individual, but becoming a leader, having to deal with more money, having to deal with other people's money, potentially like, Whoa, how, how do we make sure that we're not crossing a line? How do we make sure that we don't get caught up in our own ego along the way? Because I think a lot of times we think of money, we think of ego, we think of greed. So how do we not mix those things together? Because if you said money is just a thing, money is money, money is not anything else other than that. Yeah, yeah. You know, so my perception of money, primarily because I spent a couple of decades within the finance industry. And so I have an understanding of what happens behind the scenes mechanically. But regardless regardless of that, like human beings really, we all have a money story. And when we unravel it, it, it it's very beautiful. Um, so with money and this notion of self-preservation, I, I find that people, uh, and I'm talking millionaires, uh, people who are super rich, you know, super rich people have a money story often that are, revolves around like, I don't want to lose it. <laughs> So there are those who don't have a lot of money. It's like, I want more of it. There are, you know, entrepreneurs who are like, I'm chasing it. <laughs> you know, I want the money. And then there are those who have a lot of it. And secretly in their subconscious, they have a story of like, I need to make more. I don't want to lose it. I don't want to enjoy it. Because when I enjoy it, then the, the value goes down. The amount of it goes down. And again, it's... Um, this weird correlation that's been created between money and survival. So true, we need money to buy, you know, have a place to live. And, you know, for most people who live in cities to buy food, you, if you live on a farm, then you're, you're probably fairly more self-sufficient than, than the rest of us. But I think that there's a really strong story and program embedded in our sociology that we carry inside of us around money where again when we put a lot of emphasis on self-preservation let's just use the corporate environment again this notion of money is making me safe or it gives me security again that's an external endpoint uh input into who somebody really is. And when you have this embodied, embodied sense, this, this ownership of your values, it begins to translate into your value as a human being. And what people find is their value and their meaning and their worthiness has nothing to do with money. It really is this inside job of 
appreciating and honoring, honoring yourself as a human being and your gifts that you're here, that you're born with, the ones that you're cultivating and polishing up so that you can share more of that. And it's, it's very interesting how money's been introduced, particularly here in the U.S., as this indicator of one's value and their worth mm -hmm. and their meaning. So when people lose their job or they get demoted, um, their sense of worthiness is diminished. And when I work with clients, one of the first words that I hear when they're actively managed out of a leadership role or they get fired, the, the first thing that, that they ask is like, what's wrong with me? What happened to me? I, what did I do wrong? And there's this questioning around their values what what their value is what their identity is you know who am i without my job and like they begin to realize that they've tied too much of themselves to things that are outside of themselves that they have no control over mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. that's my yeah, take wow. on yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah when we tie our worth to anything other than us it's it's a dangerous game that we play um, but it's so common because we, we see other people and we unfortunately tie their worth to what they have. And, and because we're projecting that onto other people, we project it onto ourselves. We assume other people are also projecting it onto us. Um, but in reality, it's like your life is your own. You are you. And when you came into this world, you didn't have any money. You didn't have a job. You didn't have a name maybe even picked out yet. Like you, you, you were just a being you are just a being and and give back to that the roots of what that is and uh what a beautiful way to to wrap up this conversation and dude i could talk to you for probably days on end i think we could have a love you <laughs> yeah i think post covid we could probably have like a, a trip to cancun together and talk for the entire time <laughs> so, yeah, mm -hmm. but as a parting question um on my podcast i always love to ask people if you could say one thing to one person listening, what would it be? I would say that to know without a doubt that you're here, <laughs> you're here on earth, you're here in your current circumstances, because whatever stories are playing out and in, in your life right now, whether they're, they're good or not so good, you know that they were given to you because you're, capable of unwinding them, of being able to tell them differently in a much more elevated and empowered way. And when you realize that and you truthfully tell this story in a, in a different way, you automatically liberate the rest of us that might have a similar story and you liberate the people that came before you in your ancestry and you clear the path for the people that are yet to come. Mm. Oh God, I love that. That is so good. I'm the, I'm, that right there, usually whenever I'm doing podcasts and stuff, um, there's always that one thing that somebody says where you're like, that's going to be the clip, right? <laughs> that's going to be the thing that I play over and over again. That's the gold right there. No, it was really good. And I, I think that that's such a incredible piece of advice that um, has a lot more weight than I don't know, maybe you know, or any of us know, but that's, that's really beautiful. So thank you for that. And where can people connect with you? Where can they find you and talk to you and reach out? 
you know, I'm most active on LinkedIn, so they can find me, you know, just search for Joyal Sakaloo, and I'm, I'm always inspired and filled by the time that I spend on that platform. It's, it's really probably my biggest business asset and reference to how quote unquote rich I feel every time I have a chance to interact with people there. But they can always email me at joy at oneripple.net. And um, I'm, I'm always looking to hear other people's stories. It's something that lights me up. And I find everybody incredibly interesting. And um, yeah, I, if they just email me or reach out on LinkedIn, I'd, I'd be happy, happy to have them in my circle. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Yes, everybody listening, I highly, highly encourage you to go and hang out with Joy online at the very least and, and get to know one another. Thank you so much. This has been awesome. I can't wait to talk to you probably like next week or something, right? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Haley, for being so generous and um, having a space for us to have this conversation. They're, they're always awesome. Of course. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Letting It All Hang Out. I sincerely hope that you enjoyed it and learned a thing or two. I definitely know that I did. And I'd love to hear thoughts and start a conversation with you. So feel free to send me a voice message right here on Anchor. Or you can message me on any of my social media platforms at Haley Kalani. Much love to you all. Until next time, stay well.